0: Good evening everyone. Uh, this evening we're going to begin a uh, series of lectures on the Bhagavat Sandarbha. Tonight's class will be a uh, an introduction of what's going to be covered in this series of lectures. So the central theme of the Bhagavat Sandarbha are two lines from one sloka of the Srimad Bhagavatam. If we look to what we studied in the Tattva Sundarbha, we studied in the second half of the Tattva Sundarbha the first two lines of the sloka. And the sloka we're speaking of is the Tat uh, sloka from the Bhagavatam. Tat tatva vidas tatvam yajjanam advayam brahmeti, paramatmeti, bhagavan, iti, sabjate. So if we look in a general way at the Tattva-sandharva presentation, we see that this particular verse is elaborated on in the second half. Srila Jiva Goswami, in the first half of his Tattva-sandharva, presented, first of all, knowledge to us so that we could ascertain what is a reliable source for the living entity to acquire knowledge. So the first half basically dealt with Praman. What is a valid Praman? Do we depend on our senses? Do we depend on inference? Uh, Do we depend on uh, traditional knowledge as it comes to us from the society that we're raised in, or is there another source? And Jiva Goswami said, yeah, there's another source, and that source is transcendental. And we call that uh, source Sabda brahman, a sound vibration coming from a different plane of existence because of our current plane of existence the knowledge we receive may not always be reliable for so many reasons. So the first half of the compharba is first of first of all, introducing us to the concept that there is knowledge beyond what we can perceive in the world, and that knowledge that's available to us from beyond is significant. Let us take a look at if we are going to accept that knowledge beyond what we can perceive with our senses, beyond what the culture we come into has to offer, beyond what we can logically arrive at. If we're going to accept transcendental knowledge, where should we look? how do i know what is reliable transcendental knowledge my senses may not be perfect my society may not be perfect my logic may be faulty that's that's all well and good so you're telling me there is there's a transcendental subrahmant sound vibration which is beyond those defects how do i find that sound vibration within that realm that's beyond defect so he goes through the process of of presenting to us what is vedic knowledge what are the different divisions of vedic knowledge and ultimately looking to vedic knowledge where should we look for the topmost presentation within that realm of transcendental sound vibration. And he settles on Srimad Bhagavatam. So that's the first half of the Tuttman Sandarbha. It's simply bringing us to the point of understanding and accepting, at least intellectually, Srimad Bhagavatam. Why should we do this? Why should we accept the Bhagavatam? Quite simply, it's based on revelation. We're not at the point where we can, we can have our own revelation. We're still within the material realm. We're sh- still conditioned by the material realm. We want to have that transcendental knowledge come into us by revelation. That would be great. Plug me in. Give me a mantra. Give, touch my forehead. Uh, give me a wafer. Give me some wine. Give me a little pill. I mean, what do I take to to get this? Well, it's not so easy, but it's possible. And that possibility is what the Bhagavatam offers. It offers It offers that to us by way of hearing from those who have been there and done that. It's not quite the same as doing it yourself, but when it comes to that topmost knowledge if there is a a consensus of agreement between different schools of thought and different aesthetics people that have actually taken on a life which is free of material involvement and that has afforded them an opportunity to enter into, more than enter out of, going into the inner consciousness. So that's what this Vedic knowledge has to offer. So why does Jeeva say that the, the Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost? Because it's based on the revelation of the author of all the Vedic knowledge. He presented it all in a written form recently, relatively recently, and he, he did that for the benefit of humanity. And even after presenting all the Vedic knowledge in a written form, his heart was not quite satisfied. Maybe I just didn't do enough for humanity here. Why am I feeling some discontent? And that was revealed to him, and what' he do? He went deeper. He went deeper. He became more serious about his service. He went to his guru. I don't feel satisfied. What's wrong? And he was given some clue. Now you've you almost got it. You know, you know what it is. You really do. You haven't concentrated your efforts on revealing that supreme personality who is the goal of all Vedic knowledge. Think about that seriously. He did. And when we talk about these great sages, these Paramahansas, and when they, when they think seriously, we call that Samadhi. They go into a trance and think and think and, and concentrate and clear their mind of anything. And in that Samadhi, he had a revelation. And that revelation came out as a re-presentation of the Bhagavatam. And then we have a second example within the Bhagavatam itself. We have a self-realized personality. Someone who's a, a perfect Paramahansa himself. Free of all material desire. Free of anything of the world. Walking naked in the world. And despite the fact that he was liberated, although still in a body, when he heard just a couple verses of the Bhagavatam, he's immediately attracted. That's an amazing thing. He has reached the epitome of human perfection available by one's own efforts. By his own effort, he'd reached the epitome of transcendental realization he did enter into the core of what is his self. And still when he heard the Bhagavatam, it attracted him. So there must be something else there in this Bhagavatam, that it both satisfied the author of all the Vedic knowledge and satisfied the perfect personality. That's the first half of the Tatvas and Here is a perfect methodology for attaining supreme knowledge of the absolute truth, the ultimate reality. And then Jiva proceeds to give us entrance into this core verse from the Bhagavatam. Vedanti tat 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 tatvamyas janam advayam jnanam advayam that supreme non dual reality. That supreme non-dual absolute truth. And in the second half of the top of Sundarva, he presents that to us in a general way. And that general way is giving us a glimpse into the absolute, the ultimate reality, as the shelter of all other realities. And therefore, at the end of of the tattva Sandarbha, he shows the relationship between that absolute truth, that ultimate reality, and how it relates to the other nine principal realities as presented in the Bhagavatam, so that ashraya. So we know now there's an absolute reality, and we know this is what that absolute reality how it relates to creation subcreation maintenance protection how that absolute reality can present itself within the the material creation that we have we have some experience of and in simply relating with that absolute truth we can attain some purification. And simply by hearing of that absolute shelter, that ashraya, our hearts can be purified, leading us to the prospect of personal revelation like that of the author and that perfect specimen of humanity, Sukadev Goswami. So now we come to an Introduction to the Bhagavad Sandarbha. And the Bhagavad Sandarbha, it's over a hundred Anuchedas, sections, and we're going to go over preliminarily what is going to be covered in the text this evening. This whole Bhagawat Sandarbha deals with the second half of the verse. Brahmatih. Paramatmeti Bhagavan Iti Subjate A whole book We're going to just study This is what we call Unpacking <laughs> The transcendental literature In a very significant way This is the general theme Of the whole Bhagavat Sandhava Vedanti tat 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 vam yaj janam advayam vayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavad Iti Subjate. So Jiva's purpose here is to establish Bhagavan as the highest manifestation of the Absolute. When we look to this, Vedanti verse, Shrimad Bhagavatam, first canto, second chapter, eleventh verse, we have three nomenclatures introduced to us Brahmati, Parmaiti, Bhagavaniti Subjate. We look to this and we understand from the words that are presented. We have the con- concept of the absolute <laughs> truth as Brahman. That's simply the absolute truth without, a, without any distinction between the energies and the absolute itself. No distinction. What is this conception of Brahman? Without distinctions, non-dual, no qualities, quality, quality qualityless. There's so many reasons for this conception of the absolute because it eliminates so many problems to the mind of the deep spiritual thinker because for the most part, the experience of humanity when it comes to qualities is material qualities. So when we talk about transcendence, or a level of consciousness above the material realm, when we talk about spiritual qualities, our only point of reference for qualities is what we've experienced in the world, hot, cold, happy, sad, emotional qualities, physical qualities, tall, short, thin, fat, whatever those qualities may be, we only know of qualities in relationship to opposites. It's the nature of the material realm. It's either one or the other. So the Moonies, the Sages, they, they think, well, if we talk about spiritual, there cannot be any distinctions like that. There can't be good and bad. There can't be happy and sad in the Absolute. It doesn't work. So therefore, it has to be without distinction. So there's this conception of Brahman. brah is a specific conception of what is the Supreme Absolute Truth. Then we go to paramat Paramatmati accepts that there's qualities, but the qualities that are accepted in the Paramatma conception of the Supreme are only those qualities that are under the control of the Supreme within the material realm. So, there's an acceptance that the Absolute Truth has qualities, But the absolute truth's qualities are a manifestation of his divine energy within the material realm. So yes, there can be qualities. We can see the world around us and those that have come to this realization of the Supreme accept the world as real, but they realize there is some divine entity behind this reality, and he has provided everything that is experienced in the world. Then we come, in a general way, to the conception of Bhagavan. And then this conception, there is the other two conceptions are complete in that conception, and also that the Supreme has his own set of transcendent qualities that are beyond the realm of our perception or even our comprehension, except through hearing of them from those that have had direct experience, the sages, saints, or what they've written in the scriptures, or what that Supreme has provided in the form of transcendent sound vibration himself. Now one thing that's interesting, when we look to these three, three viewpoints of the Absolute Truth, brahmeti, paramatmeti, bhagavan, Iti, samjate, when we look to all three of these conceptions, one thing we don't hear there, and that is that the Supreme Absolute Truth is the jiva. It's not there. Jiva Goswami makes a very specific point of this. And what does he use as his evidence to this effect? He goes back to Srila Vyasadeva's personal revelation as revealed in those three verses from the Bhagavatam. That what did Vyasadeva experienced. He experienced the Supreme Absolute Truth. He saw, separate from that Absolute Truth, the material manifestation and the energies, Maya. And he also saw, distinct from that Absolute Truth, the Jiva, which is struggling under that other potency, which stands somewhat removed from the Supreme. And he also saw what? The remedial measure for eliminating the misconceptions that lead to suffering for the jivas. When we look to the absolute truth, this concept that the jiva is also the supreme, it's not there. It didn't say brahmeti, paramatmeti, jivatma meti. That's not there. Now, there's no ontological difference in these three concepts or or viewpoints of the Supreme. They're all valid ways of looking at the absolute truth. But the difference lies in the level of perception of the Inquisitor. So our methodology, our approach our our spiritual Sangha that's led us to serious inquiring as to the nature of being that has formulated within various practitioners these different concepts. A simple example when we have the concept of a blue lotus so we have a lotus, we have blue and we have a blue lotus the lotus flower is there but when we add the qualifier blue then that's some quality and it's a more complete awareness of the particular lotus so similarly when we have that more the more qualification is there when we're when we're looking at any subject the more we can attribute the factual qualities of that thing, then that's going to give us a deeper understanding. So when we have blue lotus together, that's that says, oh, we have a lotus. Well, there's all kinds of lotus. Oh, you have a blue lotus. Well, now you have a, a deeper understanding of the thing. So similarly, when we have a con- the conception of of Bhagavan, then that's inclusive of. Paramatma and Brahman So Brahman is bare awareness prior to specificity The Sanskrit term is uh, visesya that which is not yet defined without attributes The qualifiers for that visesana Once we have qualifiers then we have the absolute inclusive of, of, of intrinsic qualities. That was B. Bhagavan. So the qualified entity is visista, Visasya, without qualities, just a lotus. Visina what qualifies that entity, that thing, and visista is the qualified entity. And there's no real necessity if we look at the whole presentation of the sandharvas. Jiva has given us the tattva, the Bhagavat sandharva. He's given us the Paramatma sandharva. Then really some real specificity in the Krishna sandharva. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Well, if we're going to talk about Bhagavan... Let's look to this this particular nomenclature. It entails everything and more. It entails everything that would be the absolute truth, absolute truth and a special sweetness that all the other conceptions of the absolute truth, they don't display these qualities, these specificities of flute playing and Intimate relationships with his devotees and amazing beauty, but there's no Brahman, Sundarban. What can say? <laughs> right. What to exactly? Say. There's nothing to say about Brahman because there's no, nothing there. It has no no defining characteristics. It is a concept of the absolute truth that has, there's nothing to say about it, because once you attribute anything to it, then you don't understand it in its pure form as presented in Vedic literature, in the Veda. There's no qualities there. So there's no need to to write an elaborate dissertation on Brahman. It is that substance which is without qualities. It's only being. Well, no, if it's being, that's a quality, so it can't even be. Oh, well, (laughs) then we really get into (laughs) what really is this Bhagavad. Jiva Goswami goes forward in this bhagavad Sandarbha and presents what is an appropriate definition from the Vedas of this Bhagavad and presents... Those characteristics, the Supreme of course, the Absolute Truth has unlimited characteristics, but there are six very specific attributes, qualities, which constitute what the Vedic literature means when it speaks of Brahman, it has that Supreme Absolute Truth that has the power to regulate. It has inconceivable potency, fame, wealth, knowledge and detachment. And it is also never influenced by the gunas of Prakriti, its external energy. When we talk of Bhagavan, not only do we have these six qualities, we also have three groups of infinite potencies. We have this internal potencies Antaranga or what we also commonly refer to as Swarup Shakti we have the intermediary potencies Tatasta, also referred to as Jiva Shakti and we have the external potencies of Bhagavan Bahiranga, or Maya Shakti Bhagavan the ultimate Reality also manifests in four forms. Chit-shakti, the essential form, his swarup, his own form. Partial self-expansions, expansions of the Supreme, which are partial, by bhava. And distinct conscious entities, jivas, or atma and there's also potencies inherent in his external material pradhana so Baharangish shakti there is shakti there in material elements a magnet has it's not not a conscious entity but it has energy so in material energies within the material realm there is also shakti within the material elements. Uh, Here we come into an area where different transcendentalists look at the external potency in different ways and use different nomenclatures when referring to it. So some would not attribute this as a form, this universal form as a factual form of the Absolute because it's not permanent. It's manifest and it's unmanifest. What we're speaking about here is that Pradhana, that underlying Shakti of the Supreme which is the basis from which the material manifestation comes into being and with withdrawn, that shakti is always there underlying the material, whether it's manifest in, in forms and bodies for the jivas, or whether it, it lays in a dormant state where the shaktis are inactive. The modes of material nature become dormant for some time and then they come back to life. But they're Shakti, and we know that that Shakti is of the Supreme because the Vedas refer to what? The fact that the Lord glances upon that energy and does come to life, a different state from its inactive state. It's interesting to note that the chit shakti comprising of the sarup, the vaibhava, the expansions, and the jiva is always antagonistic to the Maya shakti. What do we mean by that nomenclature? One reveals knowledge and one covers knowledge. One is revealing the conscious is revealing. Well that makes sense. Consciousness what? Consciousness reveals and unconsciousness covers over. Going on in Bhagavat Sundarbha it will be explained how full understanding of Bhagavan and all of his various potencies is chinta. It's really beyond human thought and reason because it accomplishes what the human thought and reason is impossible feats things happen within the material realm we can't wrap our mind around even the scientists now now they've entered so deeply into understanding the nature of matter they've come to a point even themselves where they're they're a little bewildered with this they've come in, okay, it's the deeper and deeper we go we eventually come to this point where we refer to it as what is the nomenclature quantum mechanics quantum physics and it doesn't seem to follow any rules of logic at one time it seems to work in one way and then at another time it seems to work in an entirely opposite way to the scientists, this is like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> they have a hard time with that. This Echinta, it's inconceivable. This quantum mechanics, it's inconceivable. Is it a particle or is it a wave? Well, sometimes it acts like a particle at the lowest le- at the smallest level, at the nano level, and sometimes it acts like a wave. And it switches back between, back and forth between the two. And we can't figure out what's doing the switching. So similarly, we look to this transcendental knowledge. It's transrational. It's beyond our rational, our rationing ability, how we can rationally come to a conclusion, and it goes beyond that. Well, how, can the, how, does he, how, does, how is this happening? I thought I put the boys in the cave and I turn around and they're not in the cave they're here eating lunch and then I look back in the cave and they're in the cave now are they in the cave or are they there there's two sets of boys so which set of boys are the real boys and where did these other boys come from (laughs) so you take the master of the universe the creator of the universe and he becomes it goes beyond his logic that's how far it goes, and that's bewildering. And all of these potencies are intrinsic to the Supreme. He does not require any outside. There's not, out, not an outside influence. It's entirely within his grasp, but not ours. How is that? How is it God and not God? How is it material and not spiritual if it's coming from a spiritual source? And we get into so many logically, logical, deep, philosophical levels of contemplation of of the nature of being that we have to accept this achinta. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he took it to the nth degree. Beta, Beta, Tatva. It is a Tatva which is un- beyond our comprehension, a Chinta, and it's, it's like this and it's like that also. Simultaneous spiritual and material. Simultaneous one and different. It's simultaneously God and not God. Now figure that out. When we say it's beyond our logic and a reason, it doesn't mean that we cannot understand it. And that is what a presentation like the Bhagavat Sandarbha or the discourse and the association of any sadhu affords us is an opportunity to comprehend on a spiritual level not going to get, wrap our mind around it, but we're going to be able to wrap our heart around it through service, submission, sincerity. So it's not that it's impossible, but you need to know the right course of action. What is the proper course of action? A book like Bhagavata Sandarbha gives us a foundation for that kind of proper understanding. gives us a, a, a bit of a window into how deep, if we want to enter into understanding the nature of our being and the nature of the absolute truth, this will take us there. And with this kind of knowledge, then we can enter into a practice that's going to afford us an opportunity for the revelation to actually go beyond what is mundane logic. Uh, Another thing that will come out is all of the Supreme's potencies. They have distinct personalities, names, and forms. All of his energies. Maya Shakti. Lakshmi. Radha. This is a dynamic that, that just He even has a, he has a weapon and his weapon is a personality that makes his Leela just exciting. You have God and he has all these energies and they're also themselves expansions of him who have their own distinct personalities. Stop there. Any questions? Yes. Uh, would you say that Bhagavan has four... Yeah, well, he has his Harup. Um, what was it? Jiva? in the Vaibhav? Was there three or was there a fourth one? The material energy itself. What um, is that in his form? Or his, what was it? It has a form. Mm-hmm. And that form is manifest or unmanifest. And that Shakti is, again, one of his, we call that pradhan. So it's manifest and unmanifest. That's why I said that one's a little, Mm. that one various transcendentalists look at differently. And some would say, we don't look to the universal form as a form of the Lord. Mm. No, we as as Gaudias may not look to it as a form of the Lord, the way we look at the other forms of the Lord, but we look to the totality of what is that shakti, and that is also a form of the Lord in that it's manifest or unmanifest playground for the living entity in separation from him. As we go forward into the Paramatma, Sundarva will find What is the real reason behind the material manifestation being manifest? Why does it even need to be manifest? And again, it centers around Krishna's relationship with his devotees. And only that. The rest is incidental. What is that word, mean? Subjatae. What it indicates is what is revealed in these words Brahmati, paramatmeti bhagavan, iti, sabjate they're all describing the same absolute truth the only thing that's different is the words sabjate Subda. so the words are there to designate the different levels of understanding an appreciation for the absolute truth they are not pointing to a distinction in the absolute truth itself but they're pointing out a distinction in a, an, a in the way that that absolute truth is appreciated according to the spiritual inquirer or worshipper or school darshan school of thought yes so, like Jiva Shakti and the Maya Shakti are considered his form, but they're also his energies. Um, I'm guessing that. Um, it, I think it's, it's just a terminology that's being used mm-hmm. in that section, and then yeah, because this Rupa Shakti is not mentioned, but I think it's just kind of maybe included in Bhagavan. Well, that's a different, again, a different nomenclature explaining a different, something different as far as the internal, mm-hmm. the marginal, and the external. And then we talk about specific forms or manifestations, expansions of that Supreme Absolute Truth. So that Supreme Absolute Truth displays a form which is perfect and complete, which we look at as as the source of all other forms. But there's no source in that it's all anadi. Mm -hmm. So they're all there always. But when we look to the form, there is the complete form, Bhagavan. There's a less complete manifestation of that transcendent entity. So these vibhav forms, they are they are also completely transcendental, but they don't display all of the characteristics at the same time the way Bhagavan does. Then you have the the next. Marginal forms, which are the Jiva Shakti. These are also, we are expansions of the Supreme. We're God in that respect, right? There's no other substance in existence, so we had to come from something. We came from that same absolute truth. So he also manifests himself as the Jiva Shakti, and he also manifests himself as pradhan and within that manifestation of pradhan it's sometimes inactive and sometimes it itself blossoms into so many bodies and forms and planets and cosmoses and gives gives an outward display of of being distinct from his very self but it's it's not. Nothing can be separate from the Supreme Absolute Truth, so it's also another form of the Absolute Truth. So we're looking at form in a different way than a specific shape. Shape. I think form, I think shape. Mm-hmm. Does that cover it? That's good, thanks. So there's going to be a lot in this Bhagavad Sandarbha. Mm-hmm. Thank, so well, thank you so much. Thank you so much.